Welcome to this week's episode of I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. Welcome to the I Think We're Good Here podcast. And thanks for joining us in part two of the Josh Taylor experience. This podcast will be discussing Josh's transition into coaching and how he quickly took over the helm as the head at Mizzou. You... I'm sure you've taken a lot away from him, not just as a teacher, but as a person. And as you've grown and matured and you went on to national team and pro and now you're coaching, what's one thing that he told you that has stuck with you for all of it? And it could be as a brother, a partner, a son, a coach, teach, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, and this was my freshman year. So my freshman year, um, there was a situation where I got really, really frustrated. And as I walked out of my dorm room, I open hand slapped the wall and my hand went through the drywall. So I put a big old hole in my drywall. And the next day I was talking with Matt. I'm like, dude, I got to tell Marv. I'm like going to get charged for this. Like I'm going to get in trouble. He's like, hey, you're going to be fine. Let's go tell Marv. So I go and tell Marv, and he goes, he goes, okay. I'm like, no, 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 coach, but I put a hole in the wall. Like, like my hand, the hole, there's a hole that big in the wall. And he goes, Josh, that's fine. What I need to know is were you doing anything wrong? And, uh, and I pause, and he goes, because if you can look me in the eyes and tell me you did nothing wrong, I'll go to war for you. And I was like, coach, you know, I, I did nothing wrong. And it was one of those cool moments because I was there for – Matt, like, how long were we there for? Like a month or two, maybe. We were still in, like, just off-season training yeah. and, like, going to war for your people and just how much he put into the relationship that he had with everyone in the program and everyone who was involved with the program. Marv would have gone to war for any of us, and I think that was that was the biggest thing for me was learning that you you do whatever you got to do, and that's for for the people you care about and. Marv never really talked about love and that, that emotion itself. But when I think back to it, it's like, man, this guy loved us, like yeah. cared about us so much. He was so confident in his ability to help us be better volleyball. But so much of it was like, if I'm thinking about the way Marv would think about it, like, Oh, I got to love on these guys. And um, that's, that's how it felt all the time. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is when it comes to coaching, it's really loving my girls because it's, pretty special when um, there's that rapport and that trust there based on them knowing that even if they do something wrong, you're going to war for them. It, it was pretty cool. It's something I'll, it's something I'll never forget. I'll never yeah. forget that story either. Yeah, Cause I was man. like shocked. I'm like, I'm a little freshman. You should be tearing me a new one right now for not having controlled my emotions. And you're telling me you'll go to war for me. Yeah. He's great. At, I mean, I remember, you remember when you took that pillow from the hotel? No. <laughs> so Josh, <laughs> So, like, you know how, like, every everybody takes from hotels, right? Like, you take a pillow, you take a towel, you take, like, hey, oh, I don't... He took a pillow. Yeah, so yeah. Josh Josh took a pillow from the hotel, and he... I'm behind him, and he's talking with Plugs, and he walks onto the bus, and we're in Fred's yes, 
And Marv goes, Josh, where'd you get that pillow? And Josh is like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, the hotel. And Josh is, and he's like, wait, he's like, you can't take it on the bus. Like, what, what are you doing? And Josh is like, no, it, I mean, it's from the hotel. Like, I don't see why. For some I, reason I thought it was okay. Yeah, he's like, I yeah. just don't, he's like, I don't see why I can't. And Marv's like, you get on this bus, but as soon as we get back to Pep, you mail that pillow right back to where you got it from. And you're not doing anything with the team, so you mail that thing back. Yeah. And wow. it was like, it was I one even... of those, yeah, it was just one of those things because he's big on the two sets of three, right? So it's like, never lie, cheat, steal, and don't whine, complain, and make excuses. And that falls right into stealing. But in your mind, because it's a hotel, you're like, it's not stealing. It's just like, everybody does it. But in Mars mind, he's like, no, I don't care if everybody does it. Like, even though it's just a pillow, it means a lot more to me than just being a pillow, you know? Yeah. Marv made me feel so good and bad about that that I hand wrote a note and I put it on top of the pillow and I mailed it back to the hotel apologizing. <laughs> My name's John Taylor and I stole this pillow from your hotel. I'm so sorry. Here it is back. <laughs> so, JT, we, we move on and we go forward, right? And in your career as a volleyball player and you start training again with the national team and it was my first year in Germany and I came back for Christmas and I had the pleasure of being able to see you, Jackson and Plue are all on the same day. And Josh tells me, I'm going to go on a date with this girl. And Dave Hunt's hooking me up with this girl. And I'm like, well, like, does she have a name? Or is she just like some girl? Or what's the deal here? He goes, yeah, her name's Molly Crack. Fast forward, you guys are married. For years now. <laughs> For years. So and, and by the way, Dave Hunt owns right to our first child. <laughs> <laughs> so like you and Molly meet and it sounds like, oh, it's just like a cute little love story, but it's way more than yeah. that. It encompasses the progression into you becoming a head coach. Yep. And so walk us through, you're in Finland and she's in Turkey. For the half season. Yep, and that's when I was in Qatar. Yep. Yeah. So walk us through that two-year progression of what your guys' thoughts are as players and then developing into how you're going to come back to her alma mater of Mizzou and start giving back a little bit. Yeah, crazy story. So we, like you said, started dating that December, and then she went back overseas to Turkey. I went to uh, Finland and – we were both in those countries until April. I actually visited Turkey twice, which is sweet. Um, but then we were both in the gym that summer. Um, and I was on the Pan Am team. And then when I was in Mexico and we were competing for the cup, she texted me and says, cards just cut me. And she was the last setter cut. And, um, you know, she's coming off a summer where she was best setter. They won Grand Prix. Um, and she's like about to be an Olympian and she gets cut. I'm like, holy shit. So I get back in the gym after Pan Am and I'm like, well, do I keep training? What do I do? Thankfully, I went to my uncle's house and fell through a trampoline and just destroyed my ankle. So I was done training that summer anyway. (laughs) Um, trampolines are dangerous by the way, but anyway, um, 
And then actually that summer, we both go to Mizzou because our uncle is the head coach at Mizzou and we work summer camps and really fun. My first time ever being on campus. I'm like, holy cow, this place is gorgeous. It's pretty cool. And I didn't even know where Missouri was on the map, if I'm going to be honest. But um, so loved it. I love it. And then she gets a contract. And actually, before that, we were GAs for like the first four weeks of preseason for Mizzou's 2016 year. Um, really loving it. I'm like, holy cow, coaching is sick. And to be honest with you, coaching was the one thing I always told myself I wouldn't do. Um, just because I'm like, I'm a player. Like, I, I want to do it myself. Like, I don't really like the idea of coaching. Um, and at the time, I was getting my master's degree in sports psychology. So I always wanted to work with athletes on the psychological side of sport. Um, but those two months of being a GA, I fell in love with coaching. It was incredible. And then that's when Molly had a contract come through in Italy and I had one come through in Qatar. Um, so we both went overseas. And um, like at the end of November, we were both playing. And this is finally when my shoulder felt back to normal. Like 18 months later after surgery, I was like, I got my arm back and I'm playing big boy volleyball here. Um, yeah. I can do some good things. But then Molly's season finishes a little bit earlier than mine. So she comes to Qatar from Italy and we're talking and we're like, I don't know if we can do this anymore. Like I wanted to get married and she wanted to get married. And it's like, we don't want our marriage to look like us playing in different countries. Um, she would have been hard to follow. She got some pretty good contracts, but um, so, and it's crazy. A week later, her uncle gives us a call and says, we are second assistant and our volunteer assistant are leaving. We want Josh to apply for the full-time spot and you to apply for the volunteer assistant spot. So it was that moment where I thought I was playing for my best volleyball. I was insanely excited to finish out that pro season and then do well in the national team gym that next summer. And then we kind of decided we're, we're done being overseas and went and applied. I got the job and kind of we've been there ever since, working our tails off and falling in love with Mizzou. What was, like, what was the last, what was the straw that broke the camel's back where you decided – my life with Molly and this opportunity at hand is more important than my volleyball career. We were both in Qatar um, in my apartment and the only beds that they had were twin size beds. So I got a mattress from the other room, put the two mattresses together on the floor and her and I were both laying there talking about it. And the call to prayer goes off and we're sitting there and I'm like, yeah, we, we probably can't do this anymore. I don't want to be laying on the floor. Although I love being here with you and I love experiencing other cultures and religions. I, I, uh, and kind of a side note, I don't think you'll find someone who's more patriotic than me and who loves America more than I do. So, um, I always hated, hated being away from home. And, um, it, it was that moment there. We were laying on the floor talking about if we wanted to kept, keep playing and kind of that moment where we had an actual, hard solid opportunity to make a living living together yeah. and you know being around the sport that literally brought us together and it's just so special to molly and i both uh, yeah i mean it makes sense I, I like i mean people always say all right the the toughest conversations to have are the most necessary right so i think once you For overcome sure. having those tough conversations and you make some sacrifice because every great relationship and it's, you know, in the process of becoming a great relationship takes a lot of 
sacrifice from both ends, not just one person. So going forward and you go there, you're the second assistant. She's now the volunteer. And at this point yep. you have finished your master's in sports psychology as well. Yep. So when I got hired, my degree required me to do two summers in a row of internships. And I'm like, summer is kind of an important time for recruiting and camp. Yeah. I really do this. So I had finished all my courses. It's just, I couldn't do the internship. So I ended up getting just my certificate in sports psychology, my master's certificate. Okay. The real question is you went from second and then did you become first or did you go? I did. Okay. And then you go first. What are the responsibility changes between a second assistant and a first assistant? You know, not much to be honest with you. Um, I appreciate the opportunity so much from Wayne and we were doing a very large majority of the work um, yeah. just because, you know, he'd been there for so many years and I think he was getting a little worn out and he gave us so much freedom. He trusted us. And I mean, we were essentially doing all the technical training, all the recruiting and really, and I say this and I, not to be funny, but, the only thing that ever changed from me being second, first assistant to then head coach was my title. How, what was it like going literally from athlete, from great athlete? Like I do not want to disparage your career whatsoever. Cause you, I was asked today in a gym by somebody and they said, if you could play with one guy, who would it be? And who's the best person you played with? And both answers were Josh Taylor. Oh dude, I'd pick you too. I'd probably Thank pick you. me first, but I'd pick you second. Fair, right? <laughs> and <laughs> so, like, not to disparage your career whatsoever, you are a great yeah. volleyball player. So what is it like being a great athlete to now a, a decent coach? Because you don't know a lot besides yeah. what you've experienced from your coaches at Kuikai or your one coach at Kuikai and – Rictune and Marv and Dave and JD and all those guys and Hawks, like the only people that you've ever really been coached by is your experience. Yep. How do you transfer all of that knowledge to these kids? Is it just recalling memories or things that you've worked through or? Yeah, it's a lot of recalling memory. And it was funny because even my first year at Mizzou, there were a ton of moments where I'm like, holy cow, how do I even remember that situation where Marv was talking to the middle like 20 feet away from me, how did I even pick up on that? And I'm fortunate because I remember a lot more than I even realized I did. And I had a lot of, like, all those people you named off are, like, legendary coaches. So I had some pretty good company as a player. And I'm, you know, I joke about not being great at school. And I just, it did not interest me. Volleyball interested me. And I wanted to be a student of the game and get better at that. And so I paid attention a lot more than I thought I did, which I'm very fortunate for. And I think, the biggest thing for me is coming in as a coach and because when you think about it, I'm a head coach now and I've had three years of coaching experience Yeah, and I'm at a power five or a top 25 program. That's ridiculous. I'm 27 years old. And the biggest thing for me is recalling that information, but at the same time is being incredibly sensitive to the process and being incredibly sensitive to what does and does not work. If something's not working, you got to make some kind of change or something is working okay, sweet, how can I make that better or continue this upwards progress? Um, so really it's just being able to recall the things that I didn't realize I was paying attention to and being really sensitive to um, the process. And 
being the guy in college and being the gun and having that sense of maturity and urgency, as you're saying prior, and like all the process of getting to that point and your evolution as a volleyball player, both physically and mentally, does that carry over to becoming a coach and the leadership in which you learn how to play volleyball and that eagerness to learn and even the joy of just being around the game? Did that all translate the same way or were there things that needed to be changed and fixed along the way or yeah for sure I think um, it is a joy to be around the game and coaching brings me so much joy and I feel like I've got the best job in the world I feel so fortunate and undeserving of where I am and what what I get to do and I think when you think about it as a player and as well as a coach the the greatest thing you can do as a leader is be a good example I feel and if you're leading by example and you've got someone following you or you're doing a good job of embodying what you want your culture to look like it's not hard for people to you know jump on board with that I think um, one image I love is that there's two different kinds of leaders he there's a leader who's sitting on the stone being pulled by all the people that you know he's leading but then there's the other leader who's at the front of the rope with all the people behind him pulling and leading with the, with the pull of the stone. And there, there's a right way to be a leader. And I think there's a wrong way. And um, I'm, I'm pretty invested in doing things right. And um, for those of those people listening that don't know you that well, um, you're very deep in your faith as a Christian. Yeah. Do you feel that your faith has translated more than you ever thought now as a coach and being a leader and having that, not that you pressed your religion on any of these kids, but this moral, Mm -hmm. these values that you've learned through reading scripture and being a part of the church, does that translate as a coach and an educator teacher? Yeah, I think it's big time. And I think kind of my core beliefs give me, give my life purpose. So that's, that's nice having that kind of taken care of. Um, but I think one of the bigger things is being pretty deep in the face requires some pretty strong discipline. And so does being an elite athlete and an elite coach, right? Um, Cause motivation is only going to take you so far. Motivation yeah. is not necessarily going to wake you up in the morning, get you out of bed. Discipline is. So kind of leading by that discipline and making sure my girls see me being disciplined with the way I conduct myself. And, um, hopefully we'll instill some discipline in them as well because I want them to learn those skills so that when they go out into the world, you know, they're, they're prepared and they're, they might not have a degree like some of their kids do, but they've got all this life experience that they learn through sport. And um, Hugh talked about it recently when he was talking to NCAA where he said, um, you know, you can learn a lot of life lessons from sport. And if you fail at the lessons, sports are a lot kinder than the real world is if you mess up. Yeah, so I, I think it's a pretty pretty cool platform to be teaching these kids what life is like. Yeah, I would certainly agree with a lot of things that Hugh has said and done in his career. Yeah, so yeah. being such a young head coach, um, Wayne, okay, so I'm sure you talk to Wayne if you have, like, questions or need advice on stuff, but who are some of the other people that if you have a question or you need some advice or a nudge in the right direction, who do you, who do you talk to as far as coaches? Yeah, Marvin Dave, probably. I haven't spoken to Wayne since the day he retired last July. Okay. Um, he, uh, I think Marvin Dave for sure. And 
I talked to Card Twister twice, and that's obviously amazing. And if we suck at siding out, I know we're going to spend some time do, doing one-way side out. I know we're going to spend some time breaking down the specific skills it takes to be good at siding out. I think the I think the bigger things is I even remember my first year as a second assistant. I called Marv and I said, Marv, what is culture? And he said, you know, it's not the words that you put up on the wall and slap as you're walking out of the locker room. Culture is every single touch. Yeah. And I was like, huh, every single touch, everything I do, the way I wake up in the morning, the way I make my bed, the way I brush my teeth, that's my culture. Like, what am I embodying as a player to benefit this program? And, um, you know, it's the, it's the same thing with Dave. And I feel fortunate that those two are just a phone call away because those are the two that, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to be a coach that is similar to those two because those guys mm-hmm. had some pretty powerful impacts on my life. And they made me better at volleyball, which is also pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you ever share any stories that you had with Marv or with the Waves to your kids? Some of them. I even remember – I can't remember who this was. There was a kid on the team – and I pulled it at Pep, and I pulled it on one of my kids. I was like, I was like, hey, it's snowing outside, and there's a polar bear in front of the door, and you got to get to practice. What do you do? And she said, run the other way. And I said, no, 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 you got to fight that bear. And she goes, okay, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I do share stories about Marv, and I even find myself sometimes talking like him. And I know it's hard for sometimes kids to understand, so i got to stay away from not being Marv he's already he's already kind of taken but um definitely share some stories with them and they know who he is I mean guy's a legend Uh, and um yeah definitely share some stories I try and you know it's a special moment to share Marv's stories I don't share a lot but um few and far between how do you feel right now as like a not as a disciplinarian because I think like you continually bring up discipline's obviously really important to you and what yep. you demand of your team and probably the same that you demand of your staff. So as a disciplinarian, are you the type of coach that like a kid does something wrong, you're going to yell, scream, are you going to throw them around the gym? Are you going to make them watch everybody else get punished or what, what type mm-hmm. of disciplinarian are you? I, you've, I feel like because of all the people that have helped you, you're probably honest and you're fair. Mm-hmm. And I, you, mm-hmm. I, that would be my guess, but just tell us more about what you're like as a, a disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, you, you know, discipline is something you do for someone, not to someone. And I never want to break a kid down and I never want to one hurt their feelings and, you know, make them feel any kind of way about their self-worth. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's disciplining. Um, when it, when it comes to discipline, um, I mean, I think there's times where you don't go for a ball, I'm probably going to throw you around a little bit. Like, that's culturally what we need in our gym is nothing falls to us in the floor. But, I mean, there's certain times where one of my girls is not conducting herself in a way that I, I feel is appropriate. I say, hey, you know what? Come back to practice tomorrow. You're done for the day. And I don't want to yell at them. I don't want to make them feel small. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, discipline is just a change behavior that's not appropriate. And I don't ever want to hurt anyone's feelings or make them feel like I'm just a tool. Um, I want them to feel like I'm trying to make them better through the discipline that they're receiving. And, you know, there's consequences for all your actions. If you don't, 
you know, register for class in time. You've got an extra workout with our strength coach. It's just the way it is. We're not trying to break it down. It's just you're not taking care of what you need to take care of. And if you do that in the real world, you don't have an extra workout, you lose your job. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's all preparing for what they, what they got to you know, come to terms with when, when they leave the zoo. How are you guys keeping those strong relationships right now with obviously the country shut down and everyone yeah. being told to stay indoors? Like what kind of creative ways are you keeping in touch with the team and your yep. staff? Well, Zoom is pretty cool. Um, so we feel fortunate for that. But something cool that we're doing right now is the next two weeks we have off because this is dead week coming up next week and then they got finals the following. So we won't meet at all. But we meet twice a week as a team and each week our girls come up with their own theme and that individual on the team leads the meeting, whatever direction they want to take it in. And it's really cool. I'll even read you what um, kind of our most, most recent one here. And it was um, one of our liberos and she said, Hey, for everyone's discussion, I'd love for you to look at Clinton, Clifton strength themes. And it's a bunch of different themes that emotional strength, all that kind of stuff. Which theme do you think currently defines you? Which one do you think you need work on? And which one do you think our team needs to, to develop and why? And it's just an open discussion about, you know, everyone's opinions, what they feel they're good at, what they feel they need to improve on. And creating that vulnerability is just so important because that's how we're developing those close relationships. Um, and in addition to that, our seniors, we've got four of them, and they're all studs. Um, they're all conference players, all four of them. Um, we're going through the book by Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. And just phenomenal. It comes along with a workbook. And, man, we're diving into stuff that is very uncomfortable, especially to talk with coaching staffs about. Um, today we were on Zoom for two hours talking about an appropriate way to manage and approach conflict. And because as of now, I don't know what the generation thing is here, Matt, or maybe I sucked at this too when we were at PET, but if you come at me with an opinion that's different than mine, I don't even hear what you say. I'm snapping back at you with a comeback <laughs> comment. I'm trying to hurt your feelings. And so we're just like, that, that doesn't work. You can't talk like that. And, you know, we can't resolve conflict like that. That's not what we do here. So um, keeping in touch with Zoom and we text and they call whenever we want. And we talk probably 95% about life and maybe 5% about volleyball. So sure, it's, sure. It's, it's great, man. Yeah. It's cool to be building these relationships. We, um, I feel very fortunate as a head coach. I've got a pretty awesome roster of young women. How do you, and how do you deal with conflict now? Cause yeah, you're right. Back in the day when we first met, it was like, Hey Josh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of George Bush. And you're like, well, I don't give a rat's ass about what you think. I'm a Republican and you know, F off. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So I feel okay. So I know where you stand. Right. Uh, which is fine because then it's like I've said my piece, I walk away, it is what it is. And I think right. the maybe it is the era that we grew up in, but Tino and I talked about this too, and it's great that you brought up conflict. I think um, when you and I used to jaw at each other in practice, it mm -hmm. meant we were getting the most we could out of each other. It was never personal. Sure. It was never an attack. It was, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. So then prove it because the scoreboard says otherwise right now. I, I just don't think the one thing I learned from Marv is you never, ever go away from conflict. If there's an elephant yep. in the room, you address it. Resolve it. Yeah. Yep. You resolve it immediately. And the, the best story he ever told was when 
I can't I can't remember their names. I think it might have been the Rig Brothers got into a fight, right? And they're Did punching each other. Yeah, they're punching each other out on the court. And Marv puts him in a locker in the back. He puts him in like the the towel closet. He forgets. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So he puts him in. He goes figure it out. So Marv goes upstairs. Four hours later, he goes, "Oh man, I got to go check on these guys." <laughs> And Marv's obviously, he's freaking out. He's like, these guys could be dead for all I know. They might have killed each other. So he's like, but I got I to gotta play cool. So he goes in, unlocks the closet, and he's like, are we good? And the guys are like, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but moral of the story is, is you, you have to address conflict. And it, you're absolutely right. There's good ways and bad ways. I'm not saying you should fight to resolve or you should scratch and claw to resolve or whatever. But what do you feel right now for your kids? Cause in every year it'll probably change right now in your mind is the best way to resolve contra or conflict for you guys. It's acknowledging that someone's got a different opinion than yours. And that doesn't mean that anyone's wrong. Yeah. It's just the opinion's different. And I feel like there's a lot of times where we approach conflict with people need to hear me. You need to hear my side. Yeah. And right now, I think the biggest thing is we're pushing our girls to understand and then try to be understood. And half the time, you might not ever get to be understood, but always try to understand where someone else is coming from, even if it's something you completely disagree with yeah. um, or having a different opinion on. And um, really just coming to a better understanding of who everyone is and what everyone believes and yeah, the biggest thing is understanding more than trying to be understood. Just listen before you speak. Yeah, because I mean, of, the biggest yeah. thing is, I think like half the time is when they're talking. You're like, formulating a response already in your mind. And you've completely shut off your ears. You yeah. don't hear what they're saying anymore. You're thinking about your snappy comeback. So um, that's going to be, that's our biggest thing, I think, right now. And do you feel, are you getting better or are you getting worse at it as a team, as a unit? We're getting better pretty cool and how do you feel you've developed as well as and i think i think what's interesting too and Hugh obviously touches on it and marv's huge on it right is who you are as an athlete is exactly who you are off the court there's not a lot of change so if you're a respectful guy on the court you're probably a respectful guy off the court right and how have you changed obviously on and off the court since you were a 19 year old kid till now and listening to all these people that you probably don't agree with in whatever walks of life it is, do you feel like you've adjusted, you've adapted and being in a position that you are now, or you still the same guy, or I, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're probably a little bit better. Yeah, I think I've gotten better. And I think I've gotten better at giving myself a little more time um, to come up with a solution, especially as a coach. I think there are times where something's not going right and I need to figure it out right now. I need to make a change and coming to make an educated decision that will benefit all parties. Um, being a little more patient when I have a decision to make rather than making it just out on a limb. Yeah, just going, rather than just using your gut to make a decision, really educating yourself on every facet that this decision could really affect. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think another added piece to that too is, you know, I think another big thing 
that Mark talked about is every single thing you do either helps or hurts the team. And yeah. that's, that is one of to be honest with you, as a, as a coach of any kind, that's huge too. Every single thing I do is either helping or hurting my girls get better. And I don't take that lightly. So um, it's something that I did not do well with as a player. Uh, I think I did a lot that I didn't kill anybody, but I think I could have done so much better at making, making the team better, you know? Um, sure. I, I think all of us agree with you, man. That, like from each yeah. individual standpoint, we could have done a lot more. Yeah. So, um, or even less in certain situations, I could have changed yeah. the way I, I did certain things, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm four lifetimes away from knowing it all. So uh, I got a long <laughs> ways to go. Dude, you know, Marv, so our before senior year, Marv and I, had, we had a talk and he was like, Matt, tell me everything. And I was like, I, I told you everything, Marv. And he goes, Matt, I've been 23 times. Tell me everything. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'm screwed. He knows it. He knows everything. He knows everything. And so I was just like, here you go, dude. Here's all the information. I'm sorry. I, I can't believe I even thought that I could outsmart you. You got oh, me. Man. You know what I mean? No way. He said, I've been 23 <laughs> Three times. times. Three times. <laughs> I've been 23 times. I was like, he has seen it all. And he gave me that, like, laser death stare, you know? It's like, well, okay. Yeah, JT, sure. man, I really appreciate you being candid and honest with us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I, uh, you did it great. You did I'm it. Yeah, you're a terrible liar. <laughs> you're the worst liar I know, probably. Uh, I think, I mean, I've said this in the past, and I try to defend you as much as I can for people that say he's too young, he doesn't have experience, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I want to tell him, like, Vafanculo. <laughs> but I appreciate yeah, that. Right. But I'm like, he knows what he's doing. And if he doesn't, he'll learn. He's got all the avenues to figure it out. And he has the tenacity and the drive and the ambition and the discipline to do it. And I think you're doing a really, really, really nice job with your kids when not not even looking at the win loss column. I never have to look at that when I think about you guys. I know you guys are going to be a winning team because of the way that you structure your life, the way that Molly structures her life and the way that you guys embody such good people. And I know you're going to put that on your kids in the most positive way possible. And they are going to resonate all the positive things that you guys have to share with the world as a whole. And just your personality, regardless of volleyball, you guys are going to be a winning team. Yeah, and now, and I think now it's just a matter of time of bringing in kids that are your style and teaching mm -hmm. them your way of volleyball to make yourself a championship team. That's it. I don't, yeah, you know, because I don't think it comes down to a moral value belief system whatsoever. I think you're, you're pretty damn good at that. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm pretty grateful where I'm at, and uh, feeling very fortunate. So definitely gonna be taking advantage of it. I I hope you do, man. And I think I speak for both of us when I say we wish you the best of luck in every facet of life, man. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Wish that to you both as well.
Thank you, sir. And uh, I think we're good here. I think we're good here. I think we're good here, boys. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. Thanks again.